sights to show you. Welcome to the 37th episode of The Sirens of Scream, the geek podcast that proves sometimes dead is better. I'm Sierra Hauk, and I'm here with Jackie DeVore and Melissa Megan. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you guys doing? I missed you, ladies. I know. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been it's a been break. far too long. Yeah. <laughs> How were your Thanksgivings? Mine was pretty uneventful. I was sick the whole week. <laughs> oh, that's right. That sucks. You need to yeah. get better, Melissa. I know. It's it's just like it was sick. It was some kind of like throat thing, which mm-hmm. was good that we weren't recording because I could barely speak. Mm-hmm. And then that went away for like two days. And then ever since then, it's been like an allergy sinus thing. So I think I'm just going to be sick all winter. That's not good. <sighs> <laughs> Sierra and I were like half an hour away from each other, but just couldn't, (laughs) we couldn't coordinate the time (laughs) to meet up. We were were so close to seeing each other. And then the night that we were in South Carolina for Thanksgiving with my partner's family and he got sick the night that we were supposed to go out and see Jackie. Poor guy. And then we were flying the next day. So there was like, it just wasn't meant to be. Yeah. We'll work it out someday. Someday it'll happen. Well, did you guys get a chance to watch any good things over the break while we weren't yes. recording this? In fact, one of them is one of my recommendations if you want to hear about it. Yeah, I super want to hear what you have to say. Okay, so I've been hearing about Riverdale from a lot of people, and it sounded kind of corny, so I wasn't really that into it, but I got bored <laughs> and wanted to watch mm-hmm. something. So we turned it on, and immediately I was hooked in. So Riverdale is like a dark version of the Archie comics, which I don't know if you guys have read the Archie comics when I was a kid there. They're not that dark. No, the comics themselves are not dark at all. Like they're like supposed to be really happy kind of stuff. Like when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. there's this teenage neighbor girl that I wanted to be just like when I grew up, obviously. And she handed me a bunch of Archie (laughs) comics. So I read all of them. Cool. But so this like, it's not like the comics like at all, except for the names are similar. So this is like a dark twist on them with a kind of horror-ish murder mystery kind of twist to them. And the characters are actually pretty entertaining. And the story really does kind of rope you in there. And the, uh, not the graphics, but the visuals are so gorgeous. So gorgeous. Oh. So. That's unexpected. I always thought it was just like a CW kind of show. It is. In the way of like. (laughs) Just like trashy soap opera kind of thing. It totally has that vibe to it. So like you kind of have to go in like kind of expecting that a little bit. But once you get past that, Mm -hmm. the CW-ness of it, as I would like to call it, (laughs) then it's actually pretty entertaining. (laughs) But what I discovered just a few days ago, they're also making a Sabrina the Teenage Witch Mm spinoff, which Sabrina, the original story Sabrina came from Archie Comics. Apparently, this Sabrina is going to be also a really dark adaptation, and it's being done by Netflix. Nice. Yeah. So Ooh, that, that's going to be so good. Yeah. That I'm like really super psyched for. So yeah, we'll be watching out for that one. <laughs> I had no idea that there was a connection between Sabrina and Archie. Yeah, there was also, there was something else. That, oh, Josie and the Pussycats came out of uh, Archie, too. Mm. Yeah. It's like how all of the shows that are happy day spinoffs like you don't realize that they are yeah yeah like is it like mork and mindy at happy day spinoff or something yeah and there's something else too i never read archie at all myself but i feel like it's the most common 
like comic book starter that you hear mm-hmm. when you talk to people about where they started reading comics. Yeah. A lot of people started Archie as a kid. Like it was like the one that their parents bought them and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, that makes sense. It was it was really big in its time and I think it carried through generations strangely well. <laughs> Last night we watched War for the Planet of the Apes. The most recent uh Planet oh, of the Apes film. Yeah. It's really good. It's really huh. good. It's way better than I expected it hmm. to be. Not that I expected it to be bad. Like I've, I liked all the other, f- the other two films too. But you know, it was like I liked them. Um, this one was really, really good. It was really emotional. <laughs> it's like I found myself crying through a good part of it. It was really oh. tough. That's unexpected. <laughs> yeah, and it was a nice kind of like. Well, did you guys see the other two? No. Nope. I, I know I saw the first one. Can't remember the second one. So if I did, like the very first original I one, I saw that, but that was about it. It's really good, and it's got, like, like Andy Serkis, uh-huh. one of his best roles, he plays an ape named Caesar, who's kind of, like, the ape who starts the rebellion of the apes. Like, he's the first one that, like, learns how to speak and learns how to how to do human things. Hmm. And he's really good in that part. It's really, it's, you know, about as realistic as a talking ape can be. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's really intense. His facial expressions are really intense, but... This last one was nice. It's kind of a, um, for those who have seen the films, it's a really nice sort of wrap up and it's got a, it's a, got a nice feeling of closure for the character of Caesar. That's really cool. He's been, you know, in the films from the beginning. So there's a little bit of like callback to people from his past. And then there's a nice kind of culmination of the entire story. So it was really good, but it was very, it was very emotional and, and kind of sad. (laughs) Oh, now I want- and the effects are fantastic. Nice. Now I want to watch all three of them in a row. <laughs> Just have a day. You should see them. Yeah. They're definitely worth watching. They're good. I also finally watched Wonder Woman. So <gasps> It's so good. Oh, nice. On a plane back from Arizona, some guy like di- diagonally from me was watching it. And I was watching the whole thing without uh-huh. sound on the back of a sleep <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> so then we got home. I was like, I got to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it more than I thought I was would. It was pretty cool. What did you think of the the God of War? It was the one part of it that I, I didn't love, actually. Yeah, it was a little strange. Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> I thought Ares was a little disappointing. Yeah, Ares, mm-hmm. Ares could have been better, but I don't know. He kind of felt like a World of Warcraft villain to me. Yeah. Or like that kind of character design. That's exactly it. Which is like, that doesn't feel right for this no. mythology. He wasn't very intimidating for the, yeah. <laughs> the God of War. And he just kept talking and talking. I know. And like, <laughs> God, that, that last battle scene just dragged on way I too know, long. I know, people are like around him getting shit done, and apparently he just doesn't even care. Like, <laughs> like, okay. like, dude, you're the God of War. Why do you want to talk so much? Just get down to business. <laughs> get to the slashing. <laughs> it's funny, though. It reminds me of that kind of joke. I don't know if you guys have heard people say this before about how what always uh ends the villain is their incessant need to explain their mm-hmm. entire to give them yeah. to give it to all away Scooby-Doo yeah. effect. Yeah. <laughs> it's like oh she knows what you're there for just do it just fight yeah. <laughs> i teared up for the and in, the initial scene of that when the amazons come charging and on mm-hmm. the beach mm-hmm. i got really emotional i was like oh my god <laughs> Just because it, you know, it's like, it's not something we've ever really gotten before. This amazing scene of a group of women so finely tuned working together and supporting each other and 
no lingering cleavage shots or butt yeah. shots mm-hmm. and you know, it's like this is what a group of women kicking ass in, a, in an action film can really look like when it's done well, <laughs> and it's so amazing. Uh, before Thanks. we move on to the rest of the recommendations, though, uh, Melissa, I want to ask you about that episode with talking comics with the Soska sisters. Yeah, me too. I want to hear everything. Oh, they're amazing. Um, I don't want to say too much because I'm trying really hard to get them on our <laughs> show. Um, we actually talked about it briefly on, on that episode, of course, and they were really excited at the premise of coming on and talking to some lady friends about horror stuff. They're fantastic. They're super intelligent, really sharp women. They're hilarious. They're really easy guests to talk to because they just have so much to say and they're constantly full of like jokes. And the hardest part is that you can't tell the two of them apart when they're speaking. (laughs) They sound almost exactly the same, and they're con- they are they very much have the twin thing down pat. I mean, they're finishing each other's sentences, they're talking on top of each other. <laughs> they're obviously super super close. They they make a lot of comments about sort of you know how they could never live without the other one, and it's really pretty adorable. They're really cute though. They're really they're really awesome women, and yeah, we talked about everything under the sun from. Their work to I found out that they're big Clive Barker fans and so I really want to talk about that more. I know we didn't go into that a huge amount on the show because we were trying to kind of focus on comic book stuff, but yeah, there's so many things that I want to talk to them about. So I'm really trying to get them on the side. Awesome. Because I think they're the kind of people that we could just talk to about anything and have a great time. Definitely. We all just laughed our asses off through the entire episode. (laughs) So it was fantastic. Very cool. Do you also want to tell us about this coloring book? Because I want to know. Yeah, I just got the Witcher, the Witcher adult coloring book. It's based on the Witcher There's video a Witcher game. Witcher coloring book? Oh my god! There is. I've actually had it on pre-order too. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I've been waiting like Whoa. four months for it. It's beautiful. It's from uh, Dark Horse Comics. Put it out, and let me see. I'm gonna be a total dork if I cannot come up with the name of the artist on this. It's coloring books, so I guess they're not big on putting... <laughs> Mariana Strachowska? Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> it's cool. It's got, like, all kinds of, like, various scenes. Not in, not particularly, like, scenes from the game, but, like, it's, like, him fighting all the different monsters. There's, like, the best thing about The Witcher is all the monsters. There's so many fantastic monsters in that game. And, yeah. Coloring is just something that, like, I've gotten into really hardcore the last couple of years for stress relief and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to go back because The Witcher 3 was yeah. the finale to that series of games, the franchise. So it kind of feels like you get to go back one more time and revisit these characters because I was really sad when the game ended. <laughs> 96 pages. That's a hefty book. It's big. It's really well made. It's a uh, it's soft cover, but it's the pages are dense. I like to color with a mix of like fine point sharpies and colored pencils and all kinds of different things. Yeah. So thick pages are a benefit because then everything doesn't bleed through as much. Right. Mm-hmm. No, it's a really well made coloring book, and I'm looking forward to uh, to getting in there. It's also like some of the pages are super detailed and have a lot of stuff going on but there's really good like um this is going to sound weird but there's really good outlining around all the the graphics which matters when you're coloring Mm -hmm. because 
if you're using different like kind of things to color, it's really hard when there's not like clear delineation lines right. between the graphics because everything kind of bleeds yeah, together so a little. It yeah, all bleed together. I've got a fantastic lock and key coloring book too. But man, those pages are intense. <gasps> Ooh, that sounds really nice. It took me like a week to get through one picture in that book mm-hmm. because oh, wow. there's, there were like a hundred heads. There were just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Gabriel Rodriguez's artwork is ridiculously detailed, like tiny little lines everywhere. I think I completely gave up like my felt markers at all in those pictures because they were just like too thick. And every time I tried to color something, the color would just bleed into somebody else's face. It was like, forget it. (laughs) And I have to do color pencils. Yeah. So you can get it on Amazon or you can get it direct from Dark Horse Comics, the Witcher coloring book. And it's only 12 bucks. Nice. Nice. Oh, it's a deal. Yeah, sounds like you get a lot out of that. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to recommend was a TV show that I binged while I was sick the week of Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure I watched it on Netflix. Yeah, it is a Netflix original. It's called Alias Grace. It's one that kept popping up kind of in the recommended thing on the bar at the top, and I wasn't sure if it was going to be interesting. Turned out to be way better than I thought it would be. Cool. Um, it's based on a novel from Margaret, Margaret Atwood, which I've never read not that familiar with their writing but it's basically a story of 19th century it takes place 19th century canada this was all filmed in canada too it's a canadian directed film about a psychiatrist who goes to talk to a murderess to find out if she should be pardoned uh for insanity Hmm. huh this group wants to get her pardoned and, and let out of out of prison and so he starts like sitting down and having these long conversations and asking her to like tell her story and it is so engaging i just couldn't stop watching it the the girl grace who the story is based on is a very poor irish immigrant uh she's been in service her entire life she's always just been a maid a servant to somebody remember this is 19th century so Mm -hmm. not not uncommon back then (laughs) Her dialect is obviously meant to sound poor and sound simple. Yeah. So when you hear her speak, it's like it sounds like what she says. It sounds you you think what's going to come out of her mouth is very simple and and her uh, vocabulary sometimes is is limited. But when she starts to weave her stories, she's an amazing storyteller, and you realize pretty early on in her story that like she's manipulating. The, the way that yeah. she's feeding the story to the psychiatrist mm. as it goes to get certain Dang. reactions at different times out of him. He gains this kind of crazy obsession with her and it just branches off into so many places. I actually talked about this to one of my clients the other day in the salon too. She brought it up and we both just like went crazy talking about how many different <laughs> things we were thinking about when this was over. Yeah, there's like there's themes of like the idea of people being used by people people as property the idea that kind of like the, the class yeah. structure of the time mm-hmm. and like how immigrants were treated and sort of what your average sort of poor immigrant would go through in their lifetime coming to a new country and trying to start over there's a lot of hard themes there about women in the 19th century and like how they survived survival is a huge theme hmm. she her everything she does is basically for survival but it's hard by the end of the show it's really hard to figure out if she's really guilty of these things or not or what exactly is happening with her (laughs) like it goes into some weird places and 
yeah, I, I was still thinking about it after it was over and trying to figure out like, wow, I don't I don't want to give too much away, but like just not you can't quite figure out like if everything really happened to her or if some of those things were the way that she interpreted them or if some of those things were completely mm-hmm. made up. It's really hard to figure that out. Zachary Levi is in this and I love him. Oh, he's good. Yeah, he plays this really charming character named Jeremiah, who's like a traveling salesman. And all the girls, like all the girls in the houses love him because he shows up with like bundles of pretty fabrics and buttons to sell everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a great film. And I'm not familiar with Sarah. Sarah Gaydon is the name of the actress, but she's fantastic. That sounds awesome. So if you guys want, if you guys want something to binge, definitely like it's a really great like you know, mystery, biography, drama with a backdrop of murder and deceit. <laughs> and I think after the uh, success of The Handmaid's Tale, we'll see a lot more Margaret Atwood adaptations. Mm-hmm. I love period pieces in general. Forward. Ever since Downton yeah. Abbey went away, I'm just like looking for period stuff to watch now. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I have for you. Nice. Jackie, I just opened Brett Manning's Instagram. And I thought of you instantly for this. <laughs> well, also her tagline is artist and maker and bunny caretaker. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's, she, that's what she's won your heart over. <laughs> so my my other recommendation is an artist named Brett Manning, and she is incredible. For one, yes, she does have bunnies and she does post about them <laughs> and they're adorable. But her art is so unique and so interesting. Lately, she's been doing a lot of work on cryptids. She actually has an entire mm-hmm. series about cryptids, which immediately made me think of Sierra here. Sierra absolutely loves yeah. cryptids. In fact, I think oh my I got her Mothman is so cute. Yeah, I think I tagged <laughs> you in a few of her pictures here. <laughs> but she like, I don't even know how to describe her her artistic style it's it's like i don't know it's sketchy and twisty and dark and i don't know i just i love it it's i've never really seen an artist quite similar to hers to her work here it's it's just unique it's it's beautiful yeah oh it's so good it's like very like kind of fairy tale-y yeah it is very fairy tale She will link the Instagram, but she's got a, a shop too. She does things like products with her, well, products that she makes and then puts her artwork on them. Like she did an entire line of candles that she like handmade and then printed her art and put it on there. <laughs> like she goes, awesome. yeah, she, she goes all in when it comes to our project here, which I absolutely adore. So yeah, she's a lot of fun. Like how our monsters oh. all look kind of furry. Yeah. They all have like a furry, hairy texture. They're a little cuddly. <laughs> Except for the guy with the big spikes on his back. He doesn't look very cuddly. She's sure. also got a very witchy vibe to her, which I like a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She seems like, she seems like someone we could be friends Absolutely. with. Absolutely. <laughs> we can Ooh. be friends with everybody. What are you talking about? That's true. She, I just clicked on a post where she drew one of her lucid dreams with like a weird guy in her in her room oh i saw that yeah that one's creepy that's that's super creepy (laughs) that's super super creepy well i have a lot of things to recommend within the meat of this podcast but before we get into it i want to say that i found this website called ufostalker.com which is just a place where a bunch of people have 
like submitted their sightings of UFOs and things. So I had some fun just going on there and like looking at stuff in Seattle and stuff in Ashland and things that have been around me. And some some of the people just write written accounts and then some people have like blurry photos and stuff, which is which is exciting. Is it like detailed yeah. enough to where you can like see a post and then go in person and check it out yourself and so they, some of them have more information than others but it's kind of like an interactive map setup so you can see in the area where there's like hot spots and like where there's a big clump of that's so of, fun uh, things <laughs> Love that. yeah which also it kind of fits into our topic too because we're talking about first of all no end house but then also how the internet has kind of affected urban legends and and horror and storytelling so that it's nice that we have cool tools like this website where people can go and submit their, whether real or not, accounts, and then anybody can go and look at them and read them. Let's take a little break, and then we'll come back and talk about creepypasta Yay. stories and things like that. you grew up you probably had that one house at the end of the block that everybody knew was haunted or maybe it was home to a witch or a serial killer or there was that road where phantoms would be looking to hitch a ride or there was that one creepy guy that all the kids knew not to talk to or there was some farmhouse that had been visited by some unworldly creature no matter where you lived or grew up or where where you're from urban legends are part of everybody's life they're not specific to just one place or one group of people whether you were rich or poor you live in a a large city or the middle of nowhere, uh, you have urban legends. But what happens when the world becomes better connected by technology and suddenly those local legends aren't just local to small town USA, but they can reach the entire world? So today on Science of Screen, we're talking about how the internet has affected the way that we tell scary stories. And to start it off, let's dive into a sci-fi show called Channel Zero, which is an original series that's based off of popular creepypasta stories. And all of us watched the second season. It's kind of like American Horror Story, where like each season is its own story. And this one is called No End House. And the plot is a young woman and her group of friends visit a bizarre house of horrors. They are challenged to travel through six rooms, each one apparently more disturbing than the last. They begin to question it if it really is a tourist attraction or something more sinister. And that description yeah. <laughs> is like episode one. <laughs> and then it gets really wild after that. I don't know about... Go ahead. <laughs> well, I just want to... Uh, I was saying, I just want to say when I originally recommended this, I think watching the show was my recommendation because we had started it like 
a month ago before we decided yeah. to do the show. <laughs> I was only like three episodes into it at the time. And I and I told you guys, oh, you should watch this. It's really great. Let's do a sh-. And they were like, oh, let's do a show on it. And at the time, I had no idea where this was going to go. <laughs> I still yeah. thought it was about a creepy house at that point. <laughs> and at the time, none of us knew that it was based on creepypasta stories, like, at all. No. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, for some reason, I never saw any advertising about this show. I didn't know anything about it until Melissa recommended it. Yeah, the it. only time I had even heard somebody else talk about it was after we had even started watching it. A friend of mine casually mentioned it on Facebook that they were excited to watch channel zero mm-hmm. i'm like oh that's cool why is nobody talking about this <laughs> i know I, I really enjoyed it i thought it had a good production value i think maybe it's just the problem that there's so much content out there that this one's kind of gotten yeah, overlooked that and i think sci-fi is kind of in this growing pains period where you know they produce so much shit mm-hmm. like intentional bullshit for That's so long true. that now nobody really <laughs> takes them that seriously but they're coming back around with shows like this and the expanses like over the top involved and you know they're trying to get more on the track of making good stories but the audience isn't quite with them yet <laughs> yeah they kind of got a bad rap with all their made for tv yeah, movies I mean, they, <laughs> especially in the they horror did it department to themselves, like, but still <laughs> yeah <laughs> So yeah, this season of No End House started out, we thought it was just about this haunted house that like shows up in various places without much warning. And it's just about the rooms getting progressively scarier, but then it turns into this whole other like alternate dimension, kind of much more Mm -hmm. science fiction and like psychological horror in a way with how, if folks haven't seen it, the main character her dad had just died and we find out that he had killed himself but then she goes through this house and is finds herself into this like alternate reality realm which is the sixth room where her dad is still alive and how did you guys feel when the dad came back did you trust him or were you skeptical i was super sketch on him like me too (laughs) yeah i already thought that felt too twilight zone for it to be good Mm -hmm. (laughs) like there's nothing good about somebody coming back that's supposed to be dead immediately it's like Mm -hmm. no no back up get out of the house nope Especially when yeah. he's making you breakfast. Yeah. No, nope. <laughs> there's something horrible. Don't about, trust him. Yeah, the dead person coming back and being in your kitchen making breakfast like everything's okay. Uh-huh. Like, what? <laughs> what I found, yeah, really yeah, yeah. interesting was... about uh, the dad Go coming ahead. back though is that he was just as confused by it as Margo was. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. He wasn't pretending like this is how it's always been. He was like, "I lost time. I don't know what happened, but I'm gonna." to do my best to make it up to you or whatever i think at this point maybe just remind everybody we do talk about spoilers on this show yeah a lot of spoilers and we've all completed this so we're probably going to talk about everything right up to the end of the episode so or the end of the series yeah good call Uh, (laughs) here's actually a good stopping point for anybody that wants to avoid spoilers for like actual spoilers for us this season so far it's just Mm -hmm. been context so yeah. Although yeah, yeah. when Melissa originally pitched this, we did expect to be doing a show about haunted houses. Like, I, like, I, yeah, that's what I thought it was about. I fully, I fully expected to bring up the uh, the house that October built and stuff like about extreme haunted houses. I know, yeah. That's what I thought no, it would be about. It's not it at all. <laughs> we could be talking about the like the haunted houses mm-hmm. where you have to sign consent forms <laughs> and like 
That's what is what is all the tricks that they do there. That's what I thought this was about. And like episode three, I think, is where you figure out that this is expanding out into an entire uh-huh. neighborhood. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wait, they're not in a haunted house anymore. What's happening? <laughs> yeah. It's like an it's like an alternate dimension almost. Yeah. And they think yeah. they get out of the house, but they're not. And like all of the houses in the block have the six on on their door mm-hmm. instead of their actual addresses and things. And the orchids everywhere mm-hmm. were a, yeah. A great that was detail. something I wanted to ask you guys. I didn't really get what the significance of the orchid was. Was there some metaphorical thing there that I'm missing? Yes, I totally forgot this character's name. Uh, the guy that Margot is all into. Hang on, Ugh, let me bring up that guy. <laughs> I know, right? I have a lot of feelings about the the relationship between Margot and her friend. Yeah, he sucks. Oh, yeah, and then you mean he the... just kind of came and undermined. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, the black girl that she's friends with since, like, childhood, who, like, tries to be there for her, and then at the very end, like, it's the guy that sweeps in and saves yeah. her. Uh, so, okay, so, yeah, Seth, Margot's Seth. love interest, Seth, he actually kind of hints at it, but doesn't, I guess he does kind of explain it when they're on their way to the corn maze, and they're sitting there at that fire, and he brings Margot over to look at one of the orchids. He shows her that it's actually a praying mantis that has evolved to look like an orchid to fool its prey. And that is the metaphor for the house and for that dimension, as it is made to look mm-hmm. like the environment that you know and you trust, something but it's something much more sinister that's about to eat you, literally uh-huh. about to eat you. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. I just Googled quickly what a white orchid symbolizes, and it says that it stands for innocence, beauty, and elegance, which maybe that's what they were thinking when they chose it, but I don't know how that necessarily ties in with the Did you guys um, pick up (laughs) on the orchids and the sixes as Marco was traveling from the Noan house to her own home? Yeah, I saw that right away, that, like, she thinks she's safe. Yeah, she's like as they were walking to her house, it's like orchids. There's orchids. Everywhere. Why are there orchids? There? Those aren't supposed to be orchids. Just <laughs> like, just shut up and watch. I started her. noticing the orchids. <laughs> I didn't notice the numbers as much as I did the orchids. Because I don't know. I think I feel like they kept kind of focusing on the orchids, like even the little sort of like, I don't know what you want to call them, like in between imagery yeah. or like the imagery. Mm-hmm. on uh, the. Uh, what about the imagery on the TV screen that? was kind of like a lullaby yeah. that sort of calmed everybody down. That seemed like almost almost like a microscopic view of orchids. It was sort of flowing and moving and all these white and blue colors. So, mm-hmm. Related to I that, I want to bring up the first season. I know you guys haven't watched it. I just finished it a few mm-hmm. days ago, but I think a common theme, and I'm just going to throw this out there because obviously we don't know yet, I think a common uh, theme throughout Mm -hmm. this uh, whole series is going to be weird, hypnotic television suggestions. Because, yeah, the first... Uh I know, right? How meta. Channel Zero. <laughs> but, so the first season yeah. is about a, uh, a strange kid show that shows up and only the kids realize it's on. Only the kids watch it. The adults, if they look at the television when the kids are watching TV here, they think they're watching one of those staticky channels. But the kids are seeing this bizarre oh. puppet show and it feeds them subliminal messages and talks them into doing things and gives them power and all this weird shit. But that common thread of the weird television show or ad or you know channel, things like that, I think is going to be a common theme throughout the throughout the various seasons. 
I just realized as you were explaining that, that I think that's how I ended up coming to the show. <laughs> I'd heard somebody explain it as being about a weird, screwy, like, kids TV show. And that's what I thought I was going to uh-huh. be watching. But I didn't realize that that <laughs> oh, was season yeah. one. <laughs> so we had started watching. Yeah. I was like, this isn't about a kid show. I remember thinking that at the beginning, like, this isn't about a little kid show. Yeah. What's happening? <laughs> and season one is good. I, you guys should definitely watch it. But I... I can see how, yeah, like, after it. we watched these and I was digging through, like, reviews and stuff, I see how a lot of people are drawn toward uh, season two a lot more. It does, like, really refine the formula there a lot better. I, uh, apparently season two is, has a, is maintaining a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, wow. which kind of blows me away. Dang. That's impressive. Like, I don't think it's not, it's, you know, it's flawed. Yeah. But it's not perfect, but it's, but it's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. <laughs> that surprises me, though. Speaking of, speaking of flaws, uh, how did you guys feel about the ending? Yeah, how did you feel chipped about it? I by it, like. Huh. I, I mean, she was so close to, like, defeating her father, quote unquote father, not, not dad, but her kind of having to sacrifice herself back to the. Yeah whatever room six was just like unsatisfying because it seemed like she was growing and kind of coming to terms with like having to build her own life even though it's not the life that she thought she was going to have that she was kind of learning how to live with grief and figure out who she wants to be as an adult and then all of that is kind of just taken away at the last second i didn't like how easily she actually accepted the alternate reality originally personally Mm-hmm. Uh, she just kind of was like, yeah, okay. But she just gave up a little too easily. It's like, yeah, okay, this is my life now. I can do this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I understood that one more just because it made sense that like her desperation to have her father back would drive her mm-hmm. to accept it too quickly, you know? Yeah. And the kind of like, you know, that idea of like, what would you do to have somebody back that you've lost? And I, and obviously, but in turn, she's losing everybody yeah, but else. But obviously, mm-hmm. she had not, she was not through that grief yet for her dad, you know? Yeah. So she for wasn't sure. making a rational decision. She was making an emotional decision. Well, and on top of it, like her friends had all gone away to college. So she felt kind of abandoned. And like her right. mom isn't there. I didn't totally get like what her mom's deal was, but she seemed pretty abandoned and alone. So it, it makes sense why she would want to like, be like, fine, if the real world doesn't want me, that I can just live here and pretend like everything's okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. I know that her mother mentioned that they weren't as close as she wanted to be, that she was always closer to her father and that mm-hmm. they were trying to work on that. But it seems like it was a very tilted scales kind of relationship. You know, yeah, and it didn't really pay off so much for you because, like, she shows up at the very last minute and then gets knocked out immediately. Yeah. So, like any kind of redemption that she could have had. She had all the best intentions of wanting to be there for her daughter and then immediately was just like, nope, sorry. Yeah, if anything, it well, seemed like get to. her character was meant as being in the way more than anything. Yeah. Well, I think, and I think that's part of uh, maybe taking a short story and trying to develop it out into a series like mm-hmm. this, you know? That's a good point, it's like, yeah. Yeah, there's going to be like characters that sort of, that are just background noise because they weren't, I mean, they probably developed her more than she was ever developed in the story to begin with, just to just to have an explanation of mom, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I I do kind of I also sort of like the six episode 
like longer episode setup for a show like this. I enjoyed having like six, like six kind of well fleshed out episodes rather than having like a big, long, stretched out thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it feels it more the feeling of a short story. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. If they had tried to do a, a longer season, it probably would have just been a lot of extra stuff we didn't need. I thought the season was over for like episode four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I thought that the second to last episode was the end, and then I was like, why do we even need more of an episode? Yeah. <laughs> there were some really shocking moments in this too. Yeah. That like that took me by surprise because while the while the show is is weird in a lot of ways, it wasn't shocking for a good part of it. It was just kind of like strange and 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 it was kind of teetering between like we want it to be horror, but it feels more science fiction y right. and more of like time bending y. Yeah. Right. But then there were those like very crazy visuals of like the dad like having the mom be birthed and then like ripping her head off all of a sudden the puppy really got me mm-hmm. when he's eating the, the puppy yeah the dad eating the mom was like the moment when that happened i just was like what the fuck is happening right now like, <laughs> that was the first like really really weird why did i recommend this to the girls yeah that was the first like, kind of shocking thing that happened i was like what Wait, what? Does that lady uh-huh. have like she looks like a pomegranate inside? What is he doing? <laughs> yeah, it was like weird like fish eggs inside of her. It was really nasty. Oh. Yeah. That and then the moment when um oh what the hell is this character? Let me see if I can find his name. JD. But yeah, maybe we'll say it's JD, the friend with the curly hair, when he mm-hmm. finds his like alternate self in the house. And and mm-hmm. that conversation that conversation was really fun. Like I liked watching him like talk to his other his other self and like try to figure out what the purpose of the other person was, you know. Yeah. But the moment that other self gets up and decides to just bash his face bash in, his I was like, Oh in. god! Mm-hmm. I was like, What? Uh, wait, what? He's killing him? Like I totally didn't yeah. expect that because there wasn't, wasn't really murder <laughs> happening in this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like. Murder didn't really come into play in this in this show as weird as it was until that moment. It was like, wait, they can kill people? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely one of those. Surely he's not dead. Oh, there's a second blow. Oh, oh, oh it just yeah, he's gone. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> yeah, they did a good job at making sure you never felt comfortable. The tension was in- great room six yeah yeah kind of built the tension and and the the weird imagery did a good job of that too because it was like just when things Mm -hmm. felt like they were normal just a bunch of teenagers having conversations about the difficulties of life and then like weird shit on screen yeah and then there would be like the family like in a cage in the fog yeah what (laughs) it's like that's not cool I was also kind of disturbed by how often Margaret had to uh, confront her father's like swollen face. Is Margot? Because um, yeah. it was Margot. Yeah. yeah she because she had she discovered her father after he had had the allergic reaction and died. And she knew that he had done he had had the smaller allergic reaction and then decided to take a lot of more pills and all that. And then they really fucked with her, like bringing that face back a lot. Yeah. And like within the house and all of that like she just couldn't get away from it which i think it must be how it feels when you like discover a dead body like you probably can't get that image out of your head ever yeah i was about to ask how do you guys feel the house really set up the alternate reality there 
because the the house really made them confront their own like fears and problems in life which mm-hmm. was really creepy and really weird and like you said the swollen face dad part of Margot's confrontation was like really unsettling Ooh. <laughs> super unsettling my only issue is that i caught on very early that something was weird about seth specifically because Mm -hmm. like he didn't seem to have any trauma going on Mm -hmm. like there was yeah there was no there was there was no moment for him or no like thing that was looking for him or no person that was attached to him in that world you know what i mean at least until the very end yeah but just the fact that that he didn't have his moment stood out to me and i was like all right this guy's not like the others like <laughs> mm-hmm. he's he's like just kind of coasting along on their experience and just along for the ride so something's weird here what about jules her moment involved her being in a tub fully clothed in a weird way to me i felt that jules may have tried to commit suicide at university and didn't want to tell margo about it but I maybe her story I could not get. Yeah, yeah, I could not yeah. piece together her story. Well, there's also like weird stuff going on with her and her relationship with her family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially after at the end when she like her memories are gone yeah. of them and the weird like orgasmic egg. Ugh, yeah, orb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that. Is <laughs> she just kind of like fell into it? She was like had a weird euphoric obsession with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. which was super uh. weird. That yeah, that didn't was, really fit I, in. Like, that well. I want that story explained to me a little bit. I want to. I want to know like what was supposed to be happening with her. I don't know. Maybe that's part of the story that they kind of fleshed out. Yeah. No pun intended to uh, <laughs> to create. You know, to create more character development, and it it didn't mm-hmm. quite jive with the rest of the story. But right. I don't know. I liked her character a lot. I just didn't get what her thing was. Yeah. Like I, what was what was uh-huh. haunting her. Yeah, you can at most just extrapolate what was going on with her. And even then, it's like, was that it? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Did you guys pick up on the very beginning, the opening scene where the woman is uh, running toward the house, all beaten up, and the guy, like, tracks her down and slams her down and tells her she can't escape? Did you pick up on the, that was Lacey and her original trip to the house and being stuck there no oh i didn't i'm trying it's been a while I had to go back and look it. at it again I feel like if you go back and yeah i feel like if you mm-hmm. go back and rewatch this you'll find a lot of things that were missed the first time around yeah mm-hmm. definitely lots of easter eggs yeah speaking of lacy mike was creepy as fuck yeah oh yeah like that relationship went into some really uncomfortable places and i was like uh, i don't know what to feel about this anymore i don't know if i feel like i want him to get her out i don't know if i feel like i want her to I stay think there was dylan yeah yeah but yeah, he dylan? was super fucking creepy like really really creepy i was i was watching this by myself and then tucker came home during that episode when he had her like tied up in the chair and was like, I'm going to rescue you. Ah. Uh, and I couldn't even like explain what was what going on. What do you even say at that point? Because, like, <laughs> like, I think he's her. I think that's her husband. But he's being but a real I, asshole She about doesn't it. think so. And I don't know. He's trying yeah. to do the right. He thinks he's doing the right thing. But he's not. But I don't know what the right thing would be. <laughs> it was very confusing. It, uh-huh. it was like he was playing some he was like i mean he was basically like dismantling her her brain 
and her you know her, her like he was kind of like giving her some intense psychosis yeah. and like taking apart everything she believed in and it was obviously not not okay with like it wasn't going well for her <laughs> you know mm-hmm. she was just falling apart but at the same time you're like right. i mean nobody nobody really should live there right but i guess that's part of the question that they meant you for you to ask right is like is it okay to stay there if that's what makes you happy or yeah mm-hmm. you know like i guess that's part of the question right one thing i want to mention is that i absolutely is like am in love with hmm. john carroll lynch's acting abilities uh the the dad he's just so fucking phenomenal like in everything i've seen him in he's been so mm-hmm. phenomenal yeah yeah i just watched um it's not a horror movie but i watched the founders about um the folks who started the first mcdonald's and he's he plays one of the brothers that comes up with this the idea and he does such a good job he's so good (laughs) now i was surprised to see i feel like he's a pretty well-known and good actor that i was surprised to see him doing the show (laughs) i kind of i didn't expect such a such a good person in it but he he brought a lot to it and he was so interestingly the thing he was in after channel zero was something called white orchid i don't know what that's about but it's just a weird little thing there (laughs) Hmm. Interesting, Quinkadink. I'm looking forward to watching the first one now, the first season. Yeah, I think you guys will like it. Yeah, I want to watch the first season. I still want to read the story that this uh, season is based off of. I didn't get a chance to. And I've seen a little bit of what season three is going to be about. It's called Staircases. They actually changed that name. They did? According to the IMBD. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was just reading the IMBD trivia before we started. Did you just say IMBD? IMBD? INDB. Oh, IMDB. I'm saying it backwards. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. I was like, why? What? what? <laughs> I know. I didn't even catch it. <laughs> yeah, it's in there. Trivia. They. It was. That was the name of it. And they changed it. It'll now be called Butcher's Block. Interesting. Which is based oh, on the story okay. Search and Rescue Woods. Huh. Okay. Well, that's... So I wasn't sure. I was I saw that it was called Staircases and I was like, ooh, it's probably about that one story that I read forever ago, which is very good. It's about this person who's in search and rescue and they are just starting out and they are, you know, out in the woods and kind of learning from the people who have been doing it for a while. And they start to see these like just lone staircases in the middle of the woods that lead nowhere. Interesting. And they're either like sometimes they're very old sometimes they look new sometimes they're like made out of wood or bricks or like they run the gambit of like fanciness to just very basic stuff so the season and everyone's just like don't touch them don't go don't get on them don't we just pretend like they aren't there huh the Mm -hmm. story that it's based on sounds similar to that actually search and rescue woods it says butcher's block tells the story of a young woman named alice who moves to a new city and learns about a series of disappearances that may be connected to a baffling rumor about mysterious staircases in the city's worst neighborhoods. With help from her sister, she discovers something is preying on the city's residents. So it sounds like it mm-hmm. also has to do with weird, mysterious so staircases. I also was looking at, like, people... This was, I think, before the name got changed or something when I was looking at it. I saw some people speculating that it might also be based on this one story search contain protect foundation which is like this whole other rabbit hole that you can go down that's 
similar to creepypasta, but it's people writing stories about different like cryptids and items and things that are cursed. And there's a whole like Wikipedia about it. But folks were saying that this new season might be based on number 173, just this super creepy, like giant headed doll looking creature, which if this the guy shows up in the next season, I'm going to be very happy because it's so weird looking. <laughs> Like oh, if this creature one. is yeah. if this creature is like running around a city like killing people. Yeah. The description is when people go into this containment to like clean it or whatever, they need at least two people always looking at it because the moment you look away from it, it like attacks you, like like the weeping a- weeping angels style. That's what I just thought of. It's like blink. Yeah. Which is cool that maybe they're pulling not just one, not just adapting one story, but like pulling different things from different yeah, places. Yeah, that'd be interesting. This has got to yeah. be, I don't know. I wonder how the production end works on these sort of things too, because the fact mm-hmm. that these are public stories that were put out on the internet, does that mean that these people are making these shows and they don't have to either give credit or any sort of blowback to the writers of these stories? That's a That's a good question. It's kind of like public material that's out there right that they can sort of uh, well it might be that it's owned by the writer or it might be that it's owned by the website platform that it's published on or yeah i'm not sure or it could just be like parody kind of thing of like i bet you there's a loophole there that somebody realized that there was probably this was some good material (laughs) that they could make quality tv off of and not have to pay somebody for writing yeah (laughs) yeah well speaking of which there's some other creepypasta stories that i would love to see made into a series of Channel Zero. There's one, first of all, the expression list, which I read on that little short mini episode that we just put out, which have you guys, it was the photo that was published with the episode too. So that photo of that woman who looks like a mannequin, who's just like so terrifying looking. I've always wanted to know more about where she comes from and like why she just showed up at that cedar cyanide all of a sudden. So I, I would like to know a story yeah. around that the fact that she never showed back up like, and then there's and another just leaves him hanging so bad yeah yeah and just oh it's so creepy looking and there's another one that's very creepy looking called the rake which i don't even i'm not even like that big into the story of it but i i think i've seen the photo like all over but it's just this weird cryptid that's seen on oh. a, a little surveillance camera and it looks very very terrifying <laughs> And then there's one called Ted the Caver, which is kind of more of a in-depth story. I think with this kind of adapting stories for a television show, you could either take one that's very lengthy and already kind of fleshed out, or you can take one that's just like a very striking image and kind of create a story around it. But Ted the Caver is one that's very long and detailed and like it's about this guy who finds this little hole that he like digs out um, and like squeezes through. And then there's like this whole weird, all this weird shit in there that he finds, which could be a really fun television show because it it starts out being like very claustrophobic and then becoming Hmm, very like almost kind of like the descent a little bit where you're you're in the cave and you don't know what what you're going to find. Speaking of which, he did have uh, daddy's long legs on here. Mm-hmm. Can you take that off of here? What's going on with that? Um, No, I put that one down. Another part of like what makes these kind of stories at this time so great is because like with the internet you can kind of play with the medium a lot more so the way that people are telling stories right now there's one 
my father's long, long legs, which is like an interactive story. Yeah, the way that's told is so interesting. The Yeah, and it's just very, very basic, like HTML playing with the light and how how you kind of uncover information. Mm -hmm. But it is kind of like a choose your own adventure book where you like turn to page 34, (laughs) turn to page 97, where like you have to be making the decisions. So like you kind of feel like you're creating the story yourself, too. Mm -hmm. That's one. Then I I know there's a ton of somebody has to tell me how the story ends when we're not on air. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I never made it through. As soon as the flashlight showed up and I couldn't see the rest of the screen, I got too scared. I kept expecting some kind of loud noise to terrify me and the tension got too too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's some other ones like Booth World, which I think Jackie I had heard about before. I am in this. love with Booth World. I was actually gonna say one story I really want to see them make into a season would be Booth World. Do you wanna explain it? Sure. Uh Booth World <laughs> is uh <laughs> It's a story that appeared on r slash no sleep where this guy had called a number and uh, the number basically tells you to give them an assignment and wasn't sure what that meant. So after a little bit of going back and forth, he realized that this the people on this on the other line here were actually going to go out and kill other people for you. And if you didn't give them a name to follow up on, you know, somebody to sacrifice, basically, they were going to come after you. And then somebody else would be chosen in your own place. Uh, So it just kind of keeps on going there. Uh, And there's this phone number in this sense of urgency that you have to help this person. You have to take over their task of uh, you you can pass on, you know, the the line there. Uh You can pass on the the sacrificing but somebody has to be willing to take it so the way it's written is actually really really authentic feeling Mm -hmm. and that like it feels like this person is honestly freaking out that they're gonna sacrifice the people they love or themselves unless somebody takes this over from them so the story itself is it's very engaging when you're reading it my own experience with this is that in that original post, call I number? called the fucking number. Okay, oh, somebody no. put the number. <laughs> somebody put the number in the post. And I was like, well, yeah, obviously I'm going to call it. Like, there's going to be an interesting no. voicemail or something. <laughs> somebody answered the phone, okay? And, no. like, I don't talk on the phone on a good day. Like, I am freaked out by phone calls on my best days. Mm-hmm. So somebody answering a phone call when I'm calling a number like that, no, no, no. I just like. Was it, was it like a woman being like, yeah. "Welcome to Booth no, World"? No, it was just some random guy being like, "Hello," and I'm like, "Oh shit, no!" And I hung okay. up. Like I'm pretty sure I actually audibly said, "Oh shit, no," and hung up. <laughs> so I left a comment. I left a comment. This like, is okay. like, <laughs> this is like when I first started on Reddit, and I rarely paid attention to it. So I left a comment about how I called the number and somebody answered in that if it was OP's number and they answered that I'm sorry that I'm so socially awkward and hung up on them like that. (laughs) But so then I didn't check Reddit for actual months and other people Uh had read my comments and were apparently messaging me and replying to my comment there seeing if I was still alive. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's funny. You just oh, disappeared. Like, I didn't really read it tell. at the time. Yeah. 
That is excellent. Yeah. <laughs> but that, uh, I had... little did you know, you were adding to the myth <laughs> of it. <laughs> the, the whole booth world, the, the world that's created there, like those posts kept going. Like there were some that included pictures of a woman being stalked, basically. And like if you mm-hmm. if you didn't really know that it was a fictional story, these would be terrifying as all hell. But yeah, it, it's one of my favorite collective stories there. Yeah. If I had well, called like and a... somebody said, like, you have two days, I would have peed my pants. <laughs> it's like the ring. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly Seven what it days. is. And I would pee my pants if somebody said that on the other line. <laughs> well, it's like, it's almost like uh, the kind of viral emails that, like, the email chains to get passed along that are like, reblog this or send this to 10 people or else a ghost is going to come and get you or something. <laughs> and you're like, I might as well do it just in right? case. <laughs> so, yeah. Speaking of the ring, this story mm-hmm. about the hidden door in the cellar made mm-hmm. me think of that. And What's down in the cellar? That story was my favorite of the ones that you read. Nice. Yeah. I, I read somewhere that they want season four of channel zero to be based off of mm. that story that story gave me the heebie-jeebies and yeah yeah it's great because you want to know more of like what was released yeah the the bone well, there's something like extra realistic about the idea of like them running out of the house and like standing out in the dark watching the house and just waiting to see if something's going to come out of it that made me feel mm-hmm. like oh god it's getting out of the cellar now like where did it go <laughs> maybe it's in your bedroom closet you don't know where it is <laughs> Like, just burn mm-hmm. the house down. Forget it. Just like, burn just the house it. down. <laughs> Start from the ground. It's almost a little... It's a little more sinister, too, to let the original people survive. Because then they just don't have any answers yeah. at all. And there's just that sense of dread of, like, oh, God, this thing was locked up for yeah. a reason. And we just let it yeah, out. To me, well, this should have been obvious when they went behind the wallpaper and opened up a door that went down to a <laughs> strange hole in the ground. Like, <laughs> at that point, you know whatever's down there is supposed to be staying down there. Like, <laughs> Yep, just move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, those are the most interesting but the most infuriating stories is where like you don't you don't know where that went after that but you desperately want to know. Mm-hmm. Desperately. I just want to know that it's not in my house anymore. It is. It could be. <laughs> We're the worst. Standing right behind you. <laughs> I don't even like. <laughs> yeah, I still I can't get the picture of this person walking backwards with weird wobbly legs out of my head. No, I love that. Anytime <laughs> Melissa's like, I'm scared. Sierra and I are like, you should be. <laughs> <laughs> Something's happened to me that, like, I still, I'm on this show, I still claim to like horror, but I'm such a chicken shit these days. (laughs) I'm so scared of everything. (laughs) I'm just here to get scared. Right on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That works. Well, yeah, I love the kind of stories that are just made to fuck with you, of, like, kind of playing with what's real and what's not. There's another one I wanted to mention called This House Has People In It, and this one was an adult swim i think it was adult swim like little short film that they put on at three in the morning as like an infomercial and you can watch it on youtube it's like maybe 15 minutes long just about this like home security camera system and then in addition to making this little short they made a website for it and there's people who have like torn this website apart and like gone into the code and like found all these weird hidden clues and stuff about this entire world that was built to like try to explain this one 
10 minute short that that was made oh my god (laughs) yeah like you can just go so deep into it and i think it's weird to think about whoever made that and like put all this time and and thought into it and then maybe nobody even notices yeah like that 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 would be be kind of a an exciting thing to put into the world though because you're like whoever finds this out is gonna like lose lose their their mind yeah there's no coming back from it Mm -hmm. (laughs) i also see that you have a normal porn for normal people on here which i love that site yeah that's that's another one from creepypasta that was like with the addition of a website created for it where the the story is just like this weird website that most of the videos on it like aren't even sexual in any way they're just like weird nonsensical Mm -hmm. kind of thing and then all of a sudden like you see a woman get killed by a a chimp and like then in the story of like the guy who discovered it like the website's taken down because somebody probably like reported it and just like kind of the dark web kind of seeping into people's real life i guess a little bit i feel like that one really felt like an urban legend like it, it grew so much yeah it totally yeah, felt when like it i been first real. heard about that it was somebody telling me uh, the context like in the belief that it was real like absolutely believed mm-hmm. that this woman was mauled and killed by this shaved chimp and were describing it in such a weird way yeah and videotaped and i was like <laughs> i think i was like 18 or 19 at the time and i went home and i dug for it like <laughs> i dug for that video <laughs> and i watched all this weird bizarre shit and yeah it, it was one of those things where the more that i looked for it the more weird and twisted it became it was weird but i liked it that i had no idea if that one was like for real or not i that one made me uncomfortable so <laughs> That one made me a little uncomfortable, too. I was also, like, at a coffee shop while I was, like, reading all these things, and I, like, didn't want to open that that webpage, because I was like, what's going to be on there that somebody's going to look at it and judge me hard? It also doesn't help that I've been listening lately to (laughs) a podcast about hackers and, like, all the new things that they do to get into people's lives, and it's totally made me feel, like, distrustful and paranoid, so... Mm. What do they do? Now I really want to know. Terrible things. They're like, they're stealing the name, the identification of kids that are still like in school so that they can start like racking up credit and stuff on their names. And then they don't find Mm -hmm. out until they're old enough to like try to get a credit card or something for the first time. Um, That's messed up. Yeah. And then they also, they're hacking into school systems because school systems have really outdated internet security Mm -hmm. and they don't really know how to handle internet security. So they'll hack into it and get information on kids and families and like use it to threaten parents to get, to basically rent some money out of them to make them think that like their kids are going to be harmed because they can get information like where your, what class your kid is going to be in and what school bus they're taking to really like make parents think that they have, you know, physical contact with a kid. Yeah, mm-hmm. like horrible stuff like that. That just went off I the rails. But I just had to take it. <laughs> I had that's know. the kind of no, stuff that's I, awful. I was learning about when I also was reading after this thing. So it was like, I'm not touching that website. <laughs> I don't know if it's real or not, but I feel really paranoid right now. That's understandable. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also a story that I've, I think we've all been following called Dear Daniel. No, Dear David. That we got to talk about on this episode. Dear yeah. David, yeah. Dear David, I don't know why I wrote Daniel in this note. That's his formal name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's his brother. <laughs> 
so this one's being told on Twitter, and we I feel like we're all kind of following it in real time. The comic uh, artist Adam Ellis lives in this very haunted house, or at least is what he's claiming. And he's been telling this story over Twitter over the last couple of months about this ghost, David, who first came to him in like a lucid dream, has since been terrorizing him. I have such mixed feelings about this, because for one, it's a really good story. I know. But is it real? It's good storytelling. Oh my God, is it real? (laughs) I know. And I have, like, I go back and forth with how much I like Adam Ellis. I like his art, but then I see things where like he is kind of plagiarized other people sometimes or things that make me not really like him and that also make me feel like oh he would totally make up a story Mm. like this for the attention but it's also such a good story that i don't care (laughs) yeah it's one of those things like if it is made up i I can't be mad because i've been entertained this whole time about it Uh (laughs) he's been publishing some photos and videos and stuff that have kind of varying degrees of real realness versus like I could definitely Photoshop this kind of feeling. Yeah. The one that really got me is he took a photo of his hallway, which the hallway yeah. outside of his apartment is apparently a hotspot for this activity. And like a long time, uh, his cats would go and stand by the front door and try to like look out into the hallway like every night at midnight on the dot. So he took a picture of the hallway with his phone and it just looked normal. And then he took it with uh, like a film camera. And then the door was just completely blacked out mm-hmm. and like the darkest dark. And it just didn't make sense. And like you like could in such an unnatural way. Yeah, you could fake that. But coming up with that idea is is not as um, kind of obvious as the the images that he's made of. Well, made or taken of. There was one night where he was kind of having sleep paralysis and David was in the chair next to him and then he David started to move towards him so he started taking pictures with his phone in the dream and then the next day he was like on his phone looking for an old photo of something and found all these pictures of this like dark room of clearly he was Mm. just in his bed and there's like this creepy boy like shadowy boy coming towards him which that one feels a little fake but yeah it's all just it's 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 fun to be kind of involved in reading it as it happens. I think that's yeah, definitely I, adding to the fun of it. I go back and forth between this is awesome and this can't fucking be real. What is he doing? <laughs> but. Well, and the, I think the part that is keeping me like, ooh, maybe this is real kind of feel is that he's his updates aren't aren't always like so climactic. Like there will be long periods of nothing happening or he'll do an update where He just posted one where he like there's this weird hatch outside of his door that goes into this like kind of attic space that he never really thought about before. Um, And he's been hearing like noises and thumps up there. So there is a video of him like just opening the hatch and this old shoe fell out. Yeah. And he had his landlord come and open the hatch and look in there and they found a little marble. But then like that's all that happened. Like nothing has changed with the activity and a demon didn't fly out or anything like that so <laughs> just like there's a lot of build-up and not a lot of payoff sometimes so that makes me feel like either i i think maybe he is maybe being very thoughtful about how he's telling the story and trying to keep it grounded in reality yeah or it's real 
or or the weird updates on the uh, garage that he walks by on his way to work. Like, yeah, which like shouldn't feel related, but then they are. Yeah, and they they're not like they're not like super mind blowing stuff, but they they play into the narrative really well in a realistic kind of way. Mm-hmm. So either he's a really good storyteller or something really fucked up is happening over there. Yeah. But if Adam, you were listening to this, please come talk to us about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just hope that his cats are safe. <laughs> well, yeah. Speaking of cats, I was just gonna say I'm I'm a huge ghost skeptic. I do not really believe in ghosts at all anymore. And I think that a lot of what has happened can be explained by living with cats. I was actually going to ask you, because you're the scully of us, like, how do you feel about the story going <laughs> yeah. on here? I, I mean, I live with two cats and they make all kinds of weird noises and they do all kinds of weird shit every day, especially when we go to bed at night, especially like when the house quiets down. That's, true. That's when they start really like getting in trouble and knocking things over and, you know, just all kinds of weird stuff happens with the cats. And sometimes they sometimes they look at they stare at the wall or they stare at empty space and it's because they hear a mouse or something like that, you know, so or maybe you're house is haunted yeah <laughs> haunted, by, haunted by field mice that's what my house is haunted by because uh, it gets cold and the mice get cold mm-hmm. Poor mice. but you know i i really like i i found it a little bit a little bit kind of boring and like pieced together until the the hatch part is actually the part that really got me recently mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the nighttime pictures are really scary of David, I admit they're creepy, but they also look easily photoshopped. Mm-hmm. They they look like they could easily like you know they're all kind of shadowed and somewhat blurry and and he's like an old timey kid like that's not what I expected. Yeah, this little boy but to like, look the like. The hatch is actually like that would creep me out more than anything. First of all, I did not want to see a video of him sticking the pole in the hatch because I'm just like. <laughs> That's just, you know, that's just a bad idea. Whatever's up there, you're standing underneath it with a big pole in your hand and like you have no real defense against this thing that's going to fall on your head. The fact that he bought an extendable (laughs) pole on the internet specifically to investigate this hatch, like it it spoke to me. I love that. (laughs) I, yeah, the, the whole warehouse thing I find like not creepy because I don't know if you guys have ever walked around in the city, like in New York City, there's there's warehouses like that on every single block. There's multiple warehouses yeah. like that. And usually they contain like all kinds of random shit that somebody who owns that space dumped in there because there's nowhere to mm-hmm. put your shit in New York City. So people just like rent garages <laughs> and they dump all their stuff in there. So it wasn't at all weird to find like a hearse or something in a building because it just means somebody rented it and used it, you know, or mm-hmm. for it to be empty suddenly. Like that happens all the time in New York City. But yeah, the, the I mean, the the kid's shoe, the old, <laughs> the really old kid's shoe in the marble, that creeped me out more than anything else because this is like, like that shit that belonged to a real yeah. little boy one time that's just hanging around and rolling yeah. around in your attic in <laughs> some weird not even your yeah. attic in some weird space, space that's, like, that's unexplained yeah it's very like unaccessible yeah. and doesn't make sense in the scheme of the whole apartment granted you know skeptically um, if he can get it open with a pole then that means he could have put it up there too so yeah yeah but that's not no fun <laughs> <laughs> no no it's it's a fun story it's a fun story i don't I don't know enough about this guy. Like, you know, I think this a lot. Most of this kind of stuff that he's talking about is stuff that's really easy to kind of like blow out of proportion when you want to find a story. Yeah. 
you know? Sure. Yeah. And cats. Cats make all the trouble. So. Yeah. Well, and the basis of the whole story is that he had a dream and, like, there's these rules of, like, you could ask David two questions, but if you ask him a third, he'll kill yeah, you. which is pretty cheesy. And that kind of, like, I think that's kind of, like, very classic, like, dumb horror story. <laughs> like, why would a creepy little boy play by those rules? Like, if he wants to kill you, he's going right. to kill you. <laughs> and you notice um, he can go away and the cats never get hurt. So obviously the cats mm-hmm. are behind everything. <laughs> <laughs> he goes away and they're just like man we're just gonna chill everything's I'm still good. thoroughly intrigued by the his by cats the polaroids, are very cute so the polaroids get me yeah yeah i think that was cool and i think that there was a time where he set up i guess kind of a motion sensor camera or oh, something yeah, yeah that caught the chair rocking a little bit mm-hmm. i like that kind of stuff and that but... thing coming off the uh the shelf in an unnatural kind of way uh-huh. yeah yeah i don't know I want to know if it's real, though. Like, <laughs> I really want to know. We've we've actually had to like move the dog. We had to move Henry's bed into our bedroom recently because the cats are terrorizing him so badly no, at night. Oh, like, they were like running around the house making so much noise that he was getting out of bed repeatedly oh, and like going downstairs funny. to chase them to get them to shut up, and then going back to bed and then getting up. So he was just like, ro- and then he kept opening Max's door to try to hide no. in his room. So we had to like, we had to put him in our room just to try to like protect him from the cats at night because the cats raise hell in the house as soon as we go to bed. That's their time. They do. They're all over the house. They knock everything down. We get up in the morning and have to like clean up messes that they made the night before. That's too bad. My cat Josephine just sleeps in the bed with me at night. I have one super mischievous bunny that will find her way to anything and knock and chew anything. Like it's crazy. But yeah, everybody keeps saying to me, oh, they'll calm down when they get a little older. I'm like, they're not calming down at all. I think I just picked like the two worst cats in the cat Coincidentally, <laughs> that super uh, mischievous bunny is named Ghost. So anytime like a big clatter happens in our house, mm-hmm. we're like, oh, Ghost. <laughs> it's a ghost. <laughs> you know, or if when we're recording, if anybody hears weird little sounds and things on the recording it's not an evp it's just ghost ghost, (laughs) it's just ghost so i want to actually i want to sierra i want you to talk about like we started this idea for this episode kind of talking about channel zero and it seemed like it very quickly mutated in your head into something that was about urban legends and stories i'm interested in like how that string of thought went and how you kind of like how you went from this TV show into, oh my God, I have to talk about these stories. Yes. It's a, it's a creepypasta link, right? That kind of like took you down that rabbit hole. Absolutely. I, um, cause I, from being very small, was obsessed with like scary stories to tell the dark, which is just a collection of various urban legends from around. With the best illustrations. Oh yeah. My favorite. <laughs> and so all of those kinds of like, localized stories that are very like unique to a place but then still universal because the way that they catch on is that they are relatable and they like kind of have a a sense of like cautionary tale kind of thing like something of like the girl who gets in her car and she's driving home 
and this guy like keeps flashing his headlights at her and she's getting freaked out by that and then but like when they like he's following her home and then when she finally pulls over she like gets out of the car and she realizes that there was a killer in the back seat and every time that the killer was gonna go and murder her the the guy following her would shine the lights on him and he'd hide again like those kinds of stories were like my favorite (laughs) now for the rest of your life you're now for the rest of your life you're gonna check your back Mm -hmm. seat before you get into the car like they they completely change like the way that your monkey brain kind of works of like well now i know the rule of like as long as i do that i won't get murdered kind of thing <laughs> like they those those stories seem very interesting to me and then the fact that like the internet now adds this whole other level of like it could be told through a game or something or it could be told through a television show or it's told on reddit and people are passing it off as true and like this there's the question of like did this really happen or not and like then people jump onto it and then it's it's slender man and people are like making photos of slender man in the backgrounds of like old pictures or like making videos about it to where like this kind of story is now bleeding into people's real lives and, i think uh, that's super like local cool. urban legends that you may have grown up with now you can share them with people over the world and just adds like such an mm-hmm. extra element there yeah definitely and then like there's websites like atlas obscura where you find out that there's if you're traveling somewhere there's like the local legend kind of place of like this is the haunted house or this is the the road that when you drive down like something happens like then when you're traveling places or talking to people and like it seems like it's easier to kind of learn about those kinds of things and then go explore them yourself do you have any like personal stories or experiences that you can remember that you know like the telling of ghost stories and urban legends kind of played a strong part in your life my dad was super into this stuff too and growing up there was a place called dark hollow road and when i was five he told me that if you say dark hollow road three times then at night monsters would come to your house so I would say it, and he'd be like, oh, man, now i got to fight the monsters off while you're sleeping. And then oh, the next day I'd be like, Dad, did you fight all the monsters? That's and he's adorable. like, yeah, I was up all night. I'm so tired now. Don't say it again. <laughs> and then my dad would tell me, like, oh, there's quicksand over there, and, like, point out places of, like, where, like, monsters were. He was always, like, there making was a, up stuff uh, like that. a local urban legend in uh, Asheville. Wow. There's actually a lot, but... Uh, one in particular has to do with Helen's Bridge. Mm-hmm. In Asheville, it was a really big hotspot for tuberculosis centers for a long time. So there's a lot of like creepy, abandoned, old mm. TB hospitals that, I mean, you better believe I broke into like often when I was when I was a hooligan, a teenage hooligan. <laughs> but uh, there's this one like up on this big mountain that overlooks downtown Asheville. Uh, there's this big old mansion and a pretty sure that was also a tb center for a while but it was also owned by a particular family and there's um, Mm -hmm. a little bridge that goes over to the other side of the mountain and a road goes underneath the bridge the story goes that the mansion was set on fire one night like a long long time ago and helen the housekeeper there at the mansion couldn't get her children out of the house yeah and i i can't remember why she couldn't get her children out i know there was something to do with like 
human intervention that, you know, humans being shitty. Mm. I need to look at the story again. Apparently, she hung herself off of that bridge when she was just completely in despair over losing her children. So now there are just like a shitload of urban legends about Helen's bridge and how like if you take a picture under there, you'll see Helen dangling in the background or people claim that they drive under the uh, drive under the bridge and their car just completely stops and is immovable. Oh, that's so yeah, and it's like it's one of those <laughs> places where again when I was a hooligan um, in my early 20s, uh, my friends and I would end up there drinking and playing tricks on people in the middle of the night because we're gigantic assholes and <laughs> just <laughs> do all kinds of stupid shit at Helen's Bridge. But we've never actually seen anything cool there. But it is like a well-known legend around that area. When I was growing up, I was good friends with a, a girl named Monica Stotts and her family are all, they originate from Norway. They have like a house that's kind of used like a summer home for a lot of their family. It's right on the Hudson River in Skodak, New York. And let's see, it was built in 1696. Oh, jeez. Originally. And they they have like little pieces that have been added onto it through the years. And there's Mm -hmm. something like, I don't know, 12 generations or something that have lived in, in this house of the same family. I think my friend actually told me that they're listed as like... It's listed as the oldest home in the United States consecutively owned by the same family. Wow. Dang. So I remember as a kid, like in the Hudson River, we'd always find like uh, arrowheads and like little pieces of kind of like Indian, old Indian artifacts that would wash up. And at some point they had to start turning them over. There's some kind of like laws now that you have to Mm -hmm. turn over things like that for museum and um, not museum for uh, because it was a Algonquin Mm -hmm. area. Yeah. So like it gets yeah return so they, to the tribe right right so it's returned to the people but anyway we used to when we were young especially early teenagers this was a place where we would spend the night and hang out and kind of party on the weekends you know and it was always fun because she had all of these old uncles i don't even know how old they are i think her one her one uncle just wrote a book and he's like almost 90 but oh, wow. they seemed really old when we were young, you know? <laughs> so it's so weird because it's this family of like a bunch of old men that just always seemed like they were always old men. <laughs> like I have, they always look the same from the time I was a kid. And there was a, there's a Boy Scout lean to on the property and we would camp out there and have a little fire and stuff. And her uncles would come down and tell us scary stories around the campfire. They had like all of these, they were all like in the, in the, in the Navy and her father used to drive like a ferry up and down the Hudson river. And they all had all these really cool, like historical ghost stories. But the hardest ones were where they love to tell us ghost stories about the house. And this house still doesn't have a working bathroom. I should say they actually have outhouses. They've had like four out. Yeah. They've had like four outhouses built outside of this house because they don't want they don't well they don't want to tear the house up <laughs> to like put mm-mm. like modern plumbing through it so mm-hmm. um because it's so historical so at night when you're camping like you have to the 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 uh the lean-to was not right next to the house it was like down a dirt road like away from the house a little bit so if you wanted to use the lean-to you had to walk all the way back up this dirt road in the dark and go back or go back to the outhouse if you wanted to use it. And often what we would do is we would get creeped out and we'd decide that we wanted to go back and sleep in the house. <laughs> so we'd like pack up all of our stuff and walk all the way back up the road to the house. But yeah, the house was really creepy. It's very old. The beams, it's got like those really low open beams 
like bare beams everywhere and big fireplace Mm. downstairs. The house is very rickety. It's had like a couple additions added on. They told us all kinds of ghost stories about this house. They also have a family cemetery that's on a little hill right behind the house. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, so it's got these really old, old, like... It just checks off, like, all of the creepy standards there. It does. (laughs) But it was so fun to hang out there, you know, when we were young and, like, wait for her parents to go to bed, and then we'd, like, creep around the house. And there's one room, a small bedroom on the second floor that they called the Blue Room. It was all painted blue, and they told us some creepy ghost stories about that there was, like, a mother and child at one point that, back in history, that had died from some kind of terrible disease, Mm -hmm. and and they both died in that room. And that, like, that was the most haunted room in the house. And you had that room, there was, like, it's hard to explain, but it's, like, a side, a little side of that house that was kind of closed off from the rest of the house. Uh. There's, like, a door downstairs. At the bottom of the stairs is a door that goes into the main living room. And all that, because it's such an old house, like, they weren't open doorways in between the houses. Like, all of the rooms had big, heavy wood doors in between them. So, like, the house was always kind of, like, closed off. In sections, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Not like now where mm-hmm. like houses are very open with just doorways. Right. So there's a big door at the bottom of the stairs. And then there was bedrooms at the top of those stairs. And on the bottom floor on that section of the house, there was a pool room, which, of course, is where we wanted to hang out and party when we were teenagers. And the parents <laughs> went to bed and they slept on the other side of the house. So we would play pool. But out right outside the pool room is the staircase that goes up. And right at the top of the stairs is the blue room. And like... That whole section of the house just always felt separated and like eerily quiet because it was uh, it was closed off from the rest of the house. Mm-hmm. Just that like the feeling of like I can't tell you how many times if I wanted to go to the kitchen and get a drink, you had to pass past that staircase and go through the door to get to the other side of the house and just like looking up the staircase and I could still feel the chills of like yeah. see something. Yeah, because <laughs> it's dark at the top of the staircase and just knowing that that room is at the top. And there were many times when we were young that we like heard sounds and weird things happened and could have been one of her many cousins or uncles trying to scare us because they love to tell scary stories and get us all creeped out. (laughs) Uh But there were there were many times when we'd be down there in the pool room with music playing, you know, and like having a great time and partying. And then all of a sudden we hear like a weird moan or or something like hit the floor or something upstairs mm-hmm. and there were only two bedrooms up there the blue room and one other bedroom and there was no one else staying up there we actually slept on the floor in the living room in front of the fireplace because that was the only place that we didn't feel <laughs> creeped out <laughs> so we would camp out right there with the door shut to the stairwell <laughs> but yeah That's i grew funny. up with that house and always have great memories like all the family members get married on that property and everything and gorgeous that house sounds amazing but it's still mm-hmm. creepy as hell <laughs> does it have a name yeah it's it's well it's called the stotts the stotts family house i have a link i can send you guys it's actually about her uncle who just wrote the book because he wrote an entire like history of the oh, property cool. this book that he that wrote sounds really neat yeah and there's pictures of it there in this article Wait, it's we'll just incredible in because it's like i have so many memories there's a dock right there and we used to go like swimming and get on the boats and stuff and it's, yeah, it's really like I still I still have I have a lot of happy memories there, but I think that's like the beginning of like my ghost story obsession started yeah. there uh-huh. from her uncles telling us scary stories about the house that we had to sleep in. Nice. <laughs> Are you still friends with her? Yeah. Can, can she come on the yeah, podcast can, and tell us stories would like about to know more <laughs> oh, I'm sh- about her? Know. I'm sure she would love to. <laughs> I'm sure she was. She knows way more stories than I do because her family just passes them 
They're mm-hmm. they're big storytelling family, Can and we have an entire um, episode of her just telling us stories of her family. Sure, yes. sure. Yes. She would oh, she would love that. <laughs> she would, she's big into the history. Yeah, she would love that. Yeah, she's and she remembers a lot details a lot better than I do because it's mm-hmm. her family. And one thing I don't know what this is, but man, those Norwegians, they party like nobody else I've ever known. <laughs> One of her uncles that's now passed away, Uncle Barry, was known for he would stay and party at the island and then he would take so he would have somebody drive him into town, into the city, into Albany. He would party there. He'd go out and like he would come home with his camera full of pictures of him and like young girls <laughs> dancing. He'd meet girls all over town. It's hilarious. He called them kittens. He'd say, these are my oh, kittens God. for the night. I met some kittens. <laughs> hysterical. And he'd come home and he'd be up later than anybody else. There was a party there one time when we couldn't find him and everybody was terrified. They thought he had gotten too close to the water or something. We had to oh, go no. find him. I don't know if I should tell this on air, but he was he was found. He apparently had decided to sleep in a a secret place where people wouldn't have thought to look with one of the girls who were much younger. Oh, that my. were at the <laughs> Not not illegally younger. I'm not saying anything bad like that. No, she was, but she, you know, he was like really old dude. And she was like, you know, 50s maybe. Mm-hmm. And had run off with her in the middle of the night. And like they hid out somewhere. <laughs> That's where everybody found him. Everybody's searching for him. Yeah. It was like Norwegian Hugh Hefner or something. The guy was all over the place. <laughs> it was hysterical. And they just, they never, you know. My friend Monica is the girl that was always like at 2 a.m. She's like, all right, guys, are you ready? We're going to start the party. And everybody's like, falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and she's all of maybe 90 pounds. She's a tiny little girl. And I don't know. Somehow she just she's got like this some kind of family blood thing that they all just stay up all night long and they party <laughs> like nobody else. Amazing family, though. I'll, I will try to get her on the show. She lives about an hour and a half away, so it's hard to nab her. But yeah, I want to make that happen. She can tell you lots That's, of ghost stories. That'd be fun. <laughs> Sorry, that just went off on a big tangent. (laughs) No, that was a really good story. Are there any other urban legends that we want to talk about before we wrap up? I'm terrible at remembering them. Yeah, I'll remember like a bunch in like three hours. Um. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I have a pretty bad memory. But I will say that our next episode, we are finally getting oh, yeah, yes. our Stephen King talk with my buddy Jacob Strunk done. So prepare for that because that'll be fun. I guess now I should yeah, watch it. I think that'll be a really good one. <laughs> yeah, you better. I've been so busy. I haven't seen it yet, but I'll, 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 I swear I will watch the remake of it before we, we do that. That'll be a good one to like yeah. bring out the year, I think. Cool. Well, Sirens of Scream is a member of the Mega Nerd Media family. Visit MegaNerdMedia.com for geek-related columns, reviews, interviews, and videos, and other cool things. And if you enjoy our happy little horror show, please remember to leave a rating in iTunes, because that helps us get more people. If you have a podcast or anything you'd like us to sit in on, or suggestions for guests, please let us know, because we like cross-pollinating and having people on and being on other people's things and all that stuff. Oh, also, if you enjoy hearing us read stories to you, because that's pretty fun and something we can put together pretty easily. Yeah. So you can email us at sos at meganerdmedia.com or find us on Facebook or Twitter or Tumblr at Sirens of Scream. And you can find all of our past episodes and show notes and recommendations and all the links to all that stuff on sirensofscream.com. And you can find me online at Sierra Hauk. 
And Jackie, where can people find you? I am Jackie the Robot on Twitter and Instagram. And Melissa? You can find me at Lissa Punch on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also find me on the Talking Comics podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then next time we're going to be talking about Stephen King and it's going to be a big one. Finally. I'm so excited. <laughs> awesome. So I'll see everybody then.